I was definitely nervous when, when Brett asked me to come and speak because um, in terms of experience, there's so much more that y'all have to offer me than I can really offer you. Uh, but my parents shipped me off to Bible college a few years ago, so I hope that at the very least, um, I can at least package um, some of the experience from people who lived before us and presented in a way that is new to you and send you out of here going, yes, that's what I want for my family. Um, that's my goal. I'm not making any promises, um, but that's what we're, we're going for today. Um, before I begin, I want to reiterate something that I'm sure Brett has said many times to all of you. Um, and I'll make this comparison. Uh, it's easy to get frustrated with um, our kids' teachers uh, when it doesn't seem like our kids are learning or they're struggling and you're wondering, what is going on in that school? And from the teacher's perspective, uh, they're looking at it going, I only get this kid for nine months and no matter how hard I work, I'll never be this child's primary educator. The parents are the primary educators. And without that partnership, they can't help students move forward. And Brett and I and all of the other um, life group leaders in our church are in the same position. Uh, we love your students and we love y'all deeply and passionately. Uh, but y'all are the primary educators. And so I love that we get to have this class because it creates a platform, uh, a jumping off point for y'all to dive in and really be the spiritual leaders in your kids' lives in a way that uh, no matter how much ministry I'm involved in, I could never be to your child. Um, so I feel like that's really something special that we do um, at our church. Uh, we've been talking about being a remedy to a broken world, and this is going to be the last week of that series. So uh, if it doesn't turn out, out that well, Brett can just start a new series and it's fine. <laughs> um, but we've been talking about being a, a remedy to a broken world. And uh, to close it out, I want to kind of go back to the beginning and talk about how all the brokenness that we see and all of the bad things that we will ever experience um, have a common origin. Uh, Genesis 3 says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And we've all heard this passage uh, countless times, but I think something we need to take away here is that God, the whole world was under God's perfect protection, and there was no sickness, there was no hurt, there was no pain, everything was perfect, and God lifted his protection in that moment. And that's when we were first exposed to things um, like illness. Uh, Romans says that the whole earth groaned when it happened, uh, that there was a physical reaction by not just the brokenness in Adam and Eve, but in the entire world. Everything lost unity with God in that moment. And so when we see things like um, children dying of hunger in Africa or one of your parents getting cancer or your kids struggling to make friends in school, all of these things that seem so different all have a common root. Um, and that was in the fall. So when we're talking about being a remedy to a broken world, 
we need to be conscious of the fact that the problems that we approach are going to have a practical solution, but they also have a common deeper root. And when we're being a remedy, we need to address both. Um, if we don't address both, we fail in our ministry. Uh, so first point for today is that when we're serving and when we're attempting to be a remedy to a broken door, uh, we serve because it gets our foot in the door. Um, for spreading the gospel, a lot of people are very closed off. Uh, a lot of us have had Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or other groups come to our door and sometimes it's peeking through the blinds and then casually walking away. Uh, some of us are nice enough to open the door and say, no thank you, I've got the Jesus thing taken care of. Uh, but very few people let them in the door. People are very closed off to that. And how different would the situation be if a Jehovah's Witness came to you and said, I noticed your, your yard is looking pretty rough. Can I mow it for you? Uh, we might have more openness to that. Not saying you should convert to being a Jehovah's Witness, but uh, the simple act of offering service gets your foot in the door. And we need to be conscious of that in our own ministry. Um, I was traveling through the airport once upon a time, and I don't really know a stranger, and I saw an older woman with her, not old like y'all, but like <laughs> really old. <laughs> and um, she, she was sitting, uh, and she just had her head in her hands, and I was at the Starbucks, and um, it was one of those moments where you just feel the Holy Spirit kind of weigh on you like a burden. And you feel like God is pushing you to do something. You don't really know what that means. And so I was in line at Starbucks. So I grabbed a coffee for me and, and an extra hot tea because like old people tea. <laughs> that was my best guess. So, um, <laughs> so I went over to her and offered it to her. And she just looked up and, you know, thought it was weird because it was. And uh, I sat down with her and she just spilled her guts. Uh, her husband had just passed away and she just got back from, I think Aruba, where she closed out their timeshare that they'd gone to every year for almost 30 years. And so just having to close out their place together had, had made her feel so distraught. And so I just, cried and cried with her in the airport and it was really weird and I'm, I felt bad for all the other people around who were just like, okay, well, they're just having like a, a crying fest over here. Um, but I ended up having the opportunity to share the gospel with her and it turns out that she was raised in a Christian home and none of her children were all too smart to uh, be Christians. That was the attitude. And she essentially fell away from the church when all of her children talked her out of it. As her children got older, um, there became a huge uh, distance and she has no relationship with any of her children. And so losing her husband was really like losing her world. And uh, getting to share my faith with her and share some of my experiences and share the truth Turned, turned her day around, hopefully turned her life around. Um, 
But the only reason I had that opportunity, the only way I was able to get my foot in that door um, was through service, uh, because airports, airplanes aren't particularly uh, open to proselytizing. Uh, so that was, that was a cool opportunity for me, and it was a big learning experience. You know, sometimes God pushes you into things and then afterward goes, see, I taught you. And so uh, that's, what, that's what I got to learn from that. Um, so first point is that serving gets your foot in the door. Second point is that serving gets your light on the table. Um, a lot of us, Christians are notoriously bad about this, is that it's easy to volunteer and it's easy to go and serve and do good things because doing good things makes us feel good. But when we leave, is the impression, wow, what a wonderful woman, or that, that man, he's incredible. Or are we putting our light out so that people say there's something different, that's Jesus Christ. Um, Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching to um, a group of people on the hillside, and he says, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so, they, so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's easy for people to see your good deeds, but how do we take that step from getting them to see your good deeds and as a result, praise our God? Um, and that's where we're at this point where we're trying to be a remedy to a broken world. And if we just address the surface issue, um, say it's a sickness, um, someone has an infection, a doctor can provide antibiotics, um, but it doesn't address this problem that happened at the fall, um, that no matter how many medications you give someone, they're still going to die just as much as they would have without the medication. Um, we need to be providing our remedies, these surface remedies, the problems that they're having in that moment, the woman in the airport, you know, bringing her tea and crying with her. Really, I think just crying with her is what she needed. Um, how we can take a moment like that where we fix the surface problem and use it to pivot and point the glory back to God. We can't stop it fixing the surface remedy. We have to be intentional about targeting the deeper root, which is the fall, which is the fact that they are lost and they need, they need Christ in their lives. Um, a big problem that a lot of us have is that we think about being a light and that's a nice churchy thing to say. Um, but to really understand what it means to be a light, you have to evaluate what is the darkness. And so specifically um, today, I want to emphasize on being a light in your home and in being a spiritual leader to your kids. And a lot of us don't evaluate what the darkness is in our home. A lot of us feel it, but we don't consciously think about um, how we can let uh, Christ's light shine on that. Um, for some of you, that darkness in your home is lack of communication with your spouse. Um, for some of you, the darkness in your home is tension with your kids, not being able to communicate, not being able to tolerate their immaturity um, or their disrespect. And 
we've got to be conscious of that darkness so that we can proactively bring a light to that. So that we can say, okay, if the darkness in my home is that me and my spouse don't communicate, that I'm in a loveless marriage, then you can actively take a step and say, this is where I'm going to show my husband love. I'm going to serve him in such a way, I'm gonna get my foot in the door, and then I'm gonna use this moment to point it back to God so that when he sees my good deed, he praises God, and it lights your whole home. Um, Kids are gonna duplicate what they see in their home. Uh, I was talking with a family one time, and they came to me and said, you know, Sammy Joe, our daughter is dating this guy, he is bad, bad news, We have taken her phones, she switched phones with a friend, just, you know, on and on and on. So much disobedience, and all for a boy who was was leading her away from peace in their family, away from God, and uh, I said, well, just give her an example of something better to look for. If she sees you going over the top to love your wife, she's gonna want it for herself. So um, come home with flowers, and then, there, very awkwardly, seeing as I've never been married, um, they are having a discussion about um, how to improve their marriage and things that they should be doing better. And I'm just like, I can teach your daughter on the weekends, but um, beyond that, my expertise is limited. Uh, But they started doing that, and they would talk to me about the changes that they were um, making in their home. because I think it's very easy to have your marital relationship separate from your family relationship. And so they were really having to be proactive about making it obvious in front of their kids, um, showing affection and um, loving words and things like that in front of their kids. And uh, the daughter turned around and eventually on her own decided that She didn't want to be treated that way, and it wasn't with the parents aggressively trying to force her out of that situation. It was sending these subliminal messages that she deserves better. And getting to watch that unfold was really, really special for me. Um, That change in their marriage shined a light in their whole home that ended up radically changing the paths that all of their kids were on. Uh, So serving gets your foot in the door. Serving gets your light on the table. Uh, And three, serving does not get anyone into heaven. And this is kind of where I want to camp out today because it's so hugely important. a lot of the time we, walk about, we talk about how works don't get you into heaven. You can go to church every week or you can read your Bible and you know that's not gonna save you. And while that's true, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, I think a bigger problem we have in evangelical churches um, and lots of, this is kind of the direction that lots of Protestant churches are going, is that People are so community focused. They love the poor. Their hearts break for people who are struggling and they want to come up with these radical solutions to make, these, to make the world a better place. And they focus so intently on the ministry that they miss God. Um, 
and I want to make this comparison because it's kind of a lofty um, idea and it's hard to nail down. So I'm hoping that this will resonate with some of you, but uh, I'm assuming most of you in here have at some point uh, aimed to be a good parent, uh, that that's been, a, that's been a goal of yours. And you've done things to be a good parent. So that might be uh, reading to your kids when they're young or going to soccer games, um, providing a home and providing food and, and trying to give them comforts and uh, giving them counsel when they seek it, sometimes giving them counsel when they don't seek it, and uh, doing everything you know how to be a good parent. And for many of you, there's come a time where you've stepped back and said, I don't, I don't think I really know my kid. Um, you know, your daughter goes crazy, you're trying to communicate, there's a wall there, and you're just saying, when, how did we get to this point? I've done everything within my power to be a good parent. Um, how, do, how do I move forward from here? It's, I don't even know what's going on in her world, I don't know how to connect. And I hope that resonates um, and if you haven't had to experience that in any way, lucky you. Um, but I think that is something that happens in the Christian walk often. We want to be a good Christian, and we do these things. We are passionate about Bible study. We love our community. We love our life groups. Um, we serve in the community. We serve our kids. Well, you serve your kids. I don't have any. Um, I serve yours. Um, but we do all of these things trying to be a good servant of God with perfect, righteous intentions. And in the process, we miss knowing God altogether. Um, the next passage I want to read, uh, Jesus is actually still preaching the same sermon. He's been on the side of the hill for three chapters now. And... Um, this is how he's concluding. Uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell, tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Um... I look at this passage and I feel like I teach it every time I'm in front of a group of people and it's because it's impacted me in such a, a deep way. Uh, Jesus says, many people will come to him. There will be many people who approach him and say, God, I've been living my life for you. I've been doing everything I know how. And he's going to say, thanks, I don't know you. And I think that puts us in a situation where we need to be seriously reflective about where we are in our relationships with Christ, where our children are in their relationships with Christ. Are they doing the church things? Are they serving the community and making those connections and missing the connection with God altogether? And if you think that might be the case in your home, that's your opportunity to take a step back to point two and put your light on the table. Um, be that example for your children to duplicate. Um, they need to see you making that connection uh, where you can love your community and you can love your church 
But if there's not a more intense, active passion for Jesus Christ behind all of those things that you're doing, then everything that you're doing is absolutely empty. Uh, And your kids, as they're getting older, they'll recognize that emptiness. Uh, And many will walk away because of it. Um, I had a close friend, and she and I served together all the time. Uh, Great friendship. And one day, she just renounced her faith. And for her, I think it was a long time coming, whereas it hit me like a brick wall. I, I had no notice, it shocked me, and um, it just made me alert to being aware to where, of where people are in their walks with Christ. Um, she, she and I have spoken about it, and she talks about how her whole religion uh, was going to church, and serving, and she feels like it turned up empty for her. It never actually gave her anything. And as as I was listening to her talk about her entire life, where she grew up in the church, it dawned on me that she didn't know the God that I knew. And it shocked me, because this is a girl that I'd studied the word intensely with. Uh, And it blew me away, not only that she could have missed it, but that I could have missed it and been that close to her at the same time. Um, I don't want you to be in that position with your families. And so um, one of the biggest takeaways that I want for all of you today, um, it's not really a get out there and do this kind of point, but I want you to reflect on your families and evaluate who's passionately in love with Jesus Christ Am I passionately in love with Jesus Christ? Or am I one of these many, many people who have been living with such zeal for the church and for the community and not for Jesus because they missed him entirely in the process? Um, I, the, the clearest example I can give of the dangers here came out of... Uh, a mission trip I went on a few years ago to the Amazon. And it was really cool because I'd never been camping, so I was, you know, going to the jungle. And um, I went with a bunch of doctors, and we gave away $75,000 in medication, and it was so awesome. And um, I was speaking to one of our doctors, and um, I was distributing beta blockers uh, to this one gentleman who is out in the middle of nowhere, no electricity, no running water, unless you count the river. Um, But I'm I'm distributing out these pills, and I think we had about six months' worth, and we gave them all to this one man. And I asked the doctor, well, what happens when he runs out? Is there another team coming? And he said, no, probably not. Uh, He'll pass away shortly after he runs out. And I was uh, shocked. Um, It was so uh, heartbreaking because we were, for so many people, we were able to provide these life-saving medications, and he just looked at me and said, see me, Joe, that's not why we're here. Um, He has one shot to live forever and to live in community with Jesus Christ, and 
because we have this medicine, he's willing to listen. Um, without the medicine, they wouldn't let us in their village at all. And it dawned on me, it was, it, it, that's when it really set in that we're all going to die, absolutely. And so with everything that we have, all of our resources, we can pour our time and energy into meeting people's surface needs. For this man, it was beta blockers. But if we do that and don't address the origin of the problem, which is the fall, he's, he's still gonna die. Um, and you haven't provided a remedy at all then. Um, he's in the same position after you helped him than he was before. You've just prolonged the inevitable. And that realization hit me hard and made me that much more concerned with bringing the gospel. And as I was talking to these people, we had, we had translators with us, um, sharing my faith very, maybe aggressively and openly. And a lot of us uh, in the middle of the trip started learning how to share the gospel in Portuguese. And it was just very limited. There was so little that we could say, but after seeing so much hurt and so much sickness and realizing that the medication we were giving wasn't actually life-saving, we really, really wanted to do everything in our power um, to share the gospel. And that's a passion that I want all of you to carry with you um, in general, in your, in your ministries, at work, but especially in your family, um, that you look at your kids and it's not enough to you know, fix your daughter's broken heart or mend your son's ego or whatever it may be, but that your passion is for the root of the problem, which is that we're all fallen and that you are absolutely committed to making sure that your kids are not passionate about church and the community without also being passionate about Jesus Christ who brought them out of sin. Um, last, I wanna to transition to this passage in Romans. Um, Paul is talking to the Roman church, which at this point is very um, separated between Jews and Gentiles. Um, and there was definitely animosity there. And so he's writing one letter to two groups of people who hate each other, and he's uniting them in this common goal. And he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one that they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Uh, scripture teaches very clearly that it's the job of the church, the church body, to send people out. Uh, and so, as a representative of the church today, as your sister in Christ, I wanna send you out. Um, I want that to be what you're taking away this morning, that I have been sent out because how can somebody believe, how can they call in the name of Jesus Christ if they don't believe in him? And how can they believe in them if they don't hear it? It's my job to tell them. Um, and I wanna send you out today um, with that mission, um, starting in your homes and moving out from there. 
Um, before we break into small groups, I want to pray us out. Um, and before I do, thank y'all for sitting through this today. Um, I think it was your, you know, like seventh option. But, uh, you know, everybody's got to settle for someone, right? So, um, but really, thank y'all. Um, I enjoyed getting to share with you this morning. Uh, this is something that is, is heavy on my heart, and so I felt really blessed that I was getting to uh, close out this Remedy series. Um, if you could bow your heads with me. God, thank you so much for bringing me here this morning um, and refining me uh, over the past couple weeks through this process. Um, God, I pray that what I spoke today um, was clear and that people are excited about it and they have something to take away that they want to change in their families, that they want to change at work or wherever. Um, that's going to expand your kingdom and make people fall more passionately in love with you so that they don't, so that they don't miss out. Um, God, I pray that you would make us more aware. Um, help us see these people who are included in the many that you talked about, the many people who will think that they were serving in your name without ever knowing you. Um, God, you're so good to us. Um, you've blessed us so much with this church and with this community. Um, and... I pray that you will equip us to return those blessings back to you tenfold and that through that process, the community will see your glory. Um, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.